1: Lift your eyes up. if his protection is gone and your enemies are near if you've seen the seas spill over and the mountains shake break and fall if the moon ever turns blood red and you can't see the sun at all rise up no matter if the
2: Peace and welcome to New Abolitionist Radio, a program that seeks to educate, inform,
1: and agitate
2: on the issue of 21st century slavery. Hosted by social activist and spoken word poet Max Parthas with New Abolitionist and Actionist Johanna Nelaya and Black Talk Media Project founder Scotty Reed. On this program, we discuss recent news on legalized 21st century slavery and human trafficking along with projects and people who help combat it. Today is November 2nd, 2016. Today we'll give what can only be called a war report. Where have we made strides towards ending slavery? Where are we losing ground? What is the enemy planning? What is our next move? What predictions can we make with an election less than a week away? We'll cover as much of that as possible in our allotted time. So the less I say now, the more we can say later. Let's get to it. Our rider of the 21st Century Underground Railroad is Devontae Stanford, who spent more than eight years in prison for a crime he did not commit. Our abolitionist in profile this week will be the immortal, revolutionary, and slavery abolitionist, Asada Shakur. Yes, you can be both. Expect all of that and more tonight on New Abolitionist Radio. If you'd like to share a comment or question, call in and join us at 1-641-715-3660. The access code is five four
0: nine,
2: pounds Once again, I'm Max Parfus. What's happening, brother? Scott Reed, what's up, Yohanan?
0: Hello to you, Max. Um, uh, greetings to you, your family. I don't know if Tribal Rain is in the house, but greetings to her as well and to all our listeners. Uh, we did just have your hunting, but he dropped off the board. Something may have happened, so I'm sure he'll call back in.
2: You know, I want to say thank you for allowing me to share my experiences on Black Talk Radio News last week. Uh, my experiences at the uh, recent
0: chronic event, Carolina Human Rights Organizing Convention. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Oh, man, um, you're welcome. But, you know, there's no need for thanks. That's what we're here for, Max. All right, you part of this family. Uh, you're part of this platform. You're definitely my abolitionist comrade. So I'm supposed to to um, to my re- my resources are your resources. Let me just leave it like that. Indeed, man. Indeed, um, it's been a hectic week, and we've been trying to keep track of a lot of
2: the things that are going on. Uh, hey, man. I said we should give it the- a war report this week, because that's what it feels like to me, man. There's a lot of huge events that yeah, are occurring yeah, man that far-reaching
0: repercussions. Hey, um, let's see if we got get a mic check on Johanan. uh, what's going on, brother? You might have yourself you might have, muted. You might have to unmute him and unmute him like you had to do last week with our guests. Okay, I just did. I'll continue Max. I'm sure he'll chime in. Okay, I thought I saw some sound come off of his mic. Uh, Johanny, give us a
3: Can you all hear me? Yes, we yeah, can now. I can hear you now. Okay, what so different this week with my um with my microphone, so I couldn't hear you with the speaker set up the way you know we usually do it. But I can hear y'all. If you can hear me if I'm clear, then I'll leave it like this.
0: Yes, yeah, loud and exactly clear. clear. Okay. And what's going on with you this week, Johanna?
3: Oh man, just uh thankful to still be here. You know how it is week <laughs> to week when we uh get back together. All the hell everybody done been through in the time since we were last uh last in this place and, and able to uh to uh, have a meeting of the minds and, and abolitionist uh, uh, unite kind of moment that we get to have week to week so I'm you, just thankful yeah. man that I'm, I'm still on the outside and still above ground it's uh, it's treacherous out here
0: well Max before we get started I just want to talk to Johanna so we can share with the listener I know you noticed that you have been pretty active I'm assuming that's you on Twitter on the new abolitionist mm-hmm. Twitter account right Johanna right Yeah, so what do you think about Ava DuVernay? I tagged you (laughs) in a tweet. And listen, don't people don't take this the wrong way. I'm thankful that she put out a movie called The Thirteenth, and even if I thought it could have included a lot more references to slavery and featuring abolitionists like we gonna feature tonight, Asada Shakur talking about the Thirteenth. But so, but besides all of that, I just thought it was interesting that she as I follow her on Twitter, she doesn't really seem to give anybody else any credit or acknowledgement or anything, man. So, but I did see her tweet the, uh, one of the prison strikes. Um, somebody had posted something on Twitter about the ongoing national prison strikes that are in the seventh week. It'll be eight weeks going into Friday. Uh, yeah, that'll be eight weeks, start of eight weeks on, on this Friday, because it started on September the 9th. But I'm like, still, okay, thank you for that, too. But this has been going on for weeks, and it's ongoing. Can we get a little bit more from you on prison slavery and these issues? And yeah, I'll promote your film. I expect you to promote your film but come on now we really 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 need you to while that spotlight is on you right now to direct that spotlight to to those who are struggling against prison slavery today I mean what are your thoughts on what you, what I was tagging you on
3: Hey, I agree <laughs> uh, you know how I, how I uh, tend to, to view these people and folks that are regular listeners to this podcast over the years look I try not to, to be harsh With folks, but I mean, I never in my life have seen so much um, uh, like just we just don't catch each other in the peripheral. I've never seen so many people until I got into the abolitionist movement, I've never seen so many people whose only focus is supposedly activism or freedom, liberation mobilizing the people, organizing the people, getting the information out there to people, to all these things that they are supposedly all about. So that, that's, you know, all these different groups, the Black Lives Matter, the the BYP 100, the, the all these different people. I mean, even the black websites that uh, push these stories and have these, you know, encourage the social media aspect of things when people get the word out about stuff. All of these people have the same basic claim the fame, that they get the information and they put it out to people and they organize and they mobilize and they, they do all these things but I have never seen anything else I've ever been associated with except for modern day slavery where you might get one out of 50 people that, that picks up on what you're putting down, that hears you when you call them by their name, when you yell at them and wave your hands and say hey, hey, over here, over here You might get one that notices and and picks up on what you're putting out there. So, like, with her, she seems to be uh, in the same vein as the rest of these people that over the years we've reached out time and again, put the right words in their mouth, led them in the right direction, gave them the proper links and information, and they seem to stay on a particular narrative. They never change. They don't evolve. They don't uh, acknowledge other people that have really been in it and doing it. I mean, it's just so many
0: things that are similar, and it never seems to... You know, you know to on your point about the be. activists, on your point about the activists, I looked up a couple of them, the ones that I could find that was in that film. Um, I looked them up on social media so I could follow them. And the ones I were able to find, they are not even mentioning... The National Prison Strikes Against Slavery. Uh, not, I not, know it. Not Van Jones, not none of those people that I saw. That I'm hitting there that them I all find. up with it,
3: too. I've been hitting them all up with it. I constantly uh, uh, hit people up with whatever info I find about the strike. Whenever I see somebody getting props for the 13th movie or for their part in the 13th movie, whenever I see any of these individuals on their own pages Uh, Talking about whatever they talk about Promoting their books or promoting the next event They're going to be speaking at All these things that I'm watching these people do I'm constantly pushing Photos Memes Links Information Specifics uh, uh, Data Like you know percentages and numbers And whatever I can Right into their lap I know they see it And they just don't I don't know what it is man I, I don't know what it is We
2: have talked about that in detail On this program About what it could possibly be And uh, for me I will tend to stick with The uh, narrative Just for giving them the benefit of the doubt That it is cognitive dissonance And double That half, uh, half a millennium Of brainwashing Is not something that is easily Dismissed in one single generation I- I'll give them the benefit of the doubt But I do know that there has been and always will be people who will sell their mother for a dime, some fame, uh, a new coat, or a pair of shoes. I mean, just that bad. And uh, I hate to think that there are people in leadership positions in the black community in particular who are like that, but there are. Uh, An example would be Sheriff David Clark, who has sold his own people out lock, stock, and barrel, Traded this all in for his nice little interracial marriage and the demonization of black people all over the country, literally calling for genocide, saying that Black Lives Matters are terrorist groups and they're slime who need to be eradicated. Now, if you remember, in New York, they had this record-breaking uh, rally out there where all oh, up and down the streets was tens of thousands of people. <clears throat> All rallying behind the Black Lives Matter movement at that point, and he personally thinks that all of them need to be
3: eradicated. Yeah, that's how he gets down, man. That's his—that's his thing, you know. I can appreciate though a person that makes it makes it clear, draws a clear line in the sand, and says this is the side I stand on. I can appreciate him, even though he claims Democrat. He claims he's a Democrat, um, obviously pandering, you know, to the vote to stay sheriff in that in that area. But I can appreciate him showing up on Fox News all the time. I can appreciate him, you know, with all the the rhetoric he spits and all the garb he wears and all his badges and and his his little dictator suit he puts on with it, all of his awards and all this stuff he does. I can appreciate that because he's letting it be known clearly where he stands. I don't imagine there would be An innocent Unknowing soul that needed to find Information about slavery Needed to find out what happened to them what Needed to find out what happened to their loved one Needed to figure out how to get themselves Out of the belly of the beast needed to, needed to figure out what's going on Some kind of way I don't expect anybody would mistake him For being a valuable resource For being a friend in need For being a friend of abolition of slavery I wouldn't expect I I would. I know someone who would. They the mayor, he's, a, he's a he's a friend.
2: The, the governor of Maine, who clearly oh, stated that this <laughs> is a war against yeah. black people, and he used uh, the example saying, when you're in a war, your enemy wears a certain color uniform. Well, the new color, the color of your skin, is going to be your uniform. Right. So, brother, brother uh, Clark, better hope they never catch him on his day off. Yeah. When he ain't wearing his uniform Because he's just going to be another black man And you know The damn shame about it all is They've been threatening civil war left and right now You're hearing it all over the place And it's just like in the 1800s 1860s When nobody thought it could happen Until the bullets started flying And you go oh shit they got a war Pardon my language They, they got an army They started a war. He didn't realize it would happen until the bullets started flying, and suddenly Christmas Attic is laying on the ground dead.
3: Right. Well, yeah. I mean, the 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 governor of Maine, notwithstanding. I mean, he's a he's a a piece of work in his own right. But I'm just saying, like in general, people that need to know what's going on or want information that would maybe you know, like the people that watch the 13th and claim they never knew any of this stuff and how everybody's so shocked and oh my god, this is such a wonderful film. Like all those people. I feel like are in danger And are being duped Because it's so it's, That's one of the things about that movie there's, there's so many There's over 20 different speakers This is such, such weight of intellectualism These are the best and brightest Negroes in America I have a question See, It's incredible These people are not going to be able to find their way to the truth Following all of those people That are uniformly not saying slavery
0: I, I have a question. Did they not did they feature Asada in that make reference yes, to her? And she warned in the clip in the thirteenth, she warned about what was going to
2: happen with these prisons, how they were going to expand and start snatching people up.
0: Uh, left and right to fill them. So, I mean, she has a clear warning in the 13th clip. But see, yeah. see though, this is what I'm saying, and I'm going to read an uh, excerpt during the abolitionist in profile, which is not only Asada Shakur, but one of her liberators, who is currently a political prisoner, uh, Sundiata Akoli who um, New Jersey has said that the Supreme Court has said he has served his time and they need to let him out, and and they're still holding him. They did this earlier this year, back in April or sometime. But in her book, for those who read her biography, and certainly a lot of these activists we see on TV, it's kind of like in vogue to embrace embrace Asada now. But in her book, the excerpt I'm going to read, she specifically mentions the 13th Amendment. So I'm like, why didn't they put that quote in there where she's specifically talking about how she became aware that slavery was never abolished? So you want to stay tuned if you want to hear what Asada wrote, if you have not wrote or read her biography, which is titled... Asada in autobiography because she clearly states that and I got that excerpt out that book so so uh, that's why I asked did they feature because it seemed like I remember her beautiful afro in that picture I mean in, in that documentary and then when I um, um, decided to pick her as the abolitionist today and then we're talking about the 13th and I'm saying okay wow they even left that out you know,
2: it seems to me, <clears throat> and I said this when we were reviewing it, that the people that are were put on there are lukewarm, but they are the best we have at that level of presentation to be able to get this message out. They're just coming to this awareness. It's not like Van Jones was talking about the 13th Amendment five years ago, but now there's a clip of him talking about 13th Amendment. So... They're in a position where they have to speak about it. Uh, you got—I mean—the noise we're making with it is just too loud. So you got to speak about it. But they don't have the experience that someone like uh, Scotty Reed or Johanna has to have learned in detail how deep this goes into the U.S. Um, the uh, the U.S., everything I mean, into our culture, into our beginnings How we're running right now They haven't had that opportunity They may get to there Or they just may be an operative. I, I don't know I'm hoping that they will grow further into this And people like Michelle Alexander, for instance Will finally take the leap and say You know what? This is not Jim Crow This is not a caste system This is legalized slavery It's exactly what it is And it needs to be abolished Maybe one day she'll get to that I don't know, I don't know She should have been there by now She's gotten close yeah. But uh, these are the best that we have to offer It's not like they're calling us up And say, hey, let us You guys need to be a part of this documentary Because you are abolitionists You are the voices for abolitionism today So you know all of this Why don't you come in and be a part of it We're not going to get that phone call Because we're far too radical But we're also far too right
3: I don't know, Max I know we're not here to burn bridges with people. I mean, I would take it that that's kind of part of how we, we try, because like you said, we are typically sounding so radical with so much truth coming out. Um, but at the same time, I, I I can't, man. I can't give any of these people a pass. These people are PhDs. These people are supposedly reading all of the information that's available out here. These people are constantly at conferences and on radio programs and TV programs, constantly writing and researching books. They're professors in colleges, they're traveling in circles and having conversations. I mean, everything you would imagine that's that they're involved in collectively, it should be information that we talk about that they're also familiar with. I just I believe that they have been given their marching orders. Oh. I, I can't separate from that. I, I think they're given a script. I think they're given an encouragement to kind of, yeah, keep it in between these lines. There's no need for you to say this or that. Don't worry about that. You know, just stick it with this. I think that they're bought and paid for. I cannot imagine that you would have 25, 30, 50, 100 PhDs. Mm. And I'm sitting here working off of a damn laptop for the last five years. Yeah, right? <laughs> I got Google I got Google, and, and half the time a, a shitty internet connection. I mean, really? You work for freaking Harvard? You at Stanford? You at Columbia? Man, get out of here. I don't believe these fools. I think they're playing us all for fools, seriously. And I know I end up getting like this, and I've talked bad about a lot of these groups, and I've gone ballistic and whatever, but until they show me something different, then damn it, you are what you are. You know that you are a PhD. You know that you have written five books. You know you run this museum and this center and this whatever, whatever. You standing right in the gates, blocking the door to knowledge and information for people that want to learn, and you pr- protecting the secret that massa keeping on the other side. You're not letting people go through into enlightenment. You are guarding that door from both ends. I can't I can't tolerate it. Man, these people know what's going on, and they just refuse to speak on it. You know, I have the benefit of periodically
2: getting out and speaking face-to-face with such people, uh, with PhDs from Columbia University and Yale and Harvard and stuff like that. And um, more often than not, I get a positive reaction from them. Uh, what I don't get, though, and which I wish I, I did, is the ability for them to have it in themselves to keep the fire alive after the conversation has ended. Often they just go right back to business as usual. <laughs> so they right. Take it in, and they're like, yes, you're right, Max, I'm an abolitionist. And then they walk off, and a week later it's out of sight, out of mind, and they're right back into the reform most. Yeah,
3: yeah, like a uh, full metal jacket. My dad raised me always using that scene from Full Metal Jacket as an indicator of how serious somebody is When he was telling old Gomer Powell, get up on that obstacle And he couldn't get up on that obstacle, he kept falling off the obstacle, sliding off the obstacle He couldn't climb up and climb over And the drill sergeant looked at him and said, I bet you if it was some P-U-S-S-Y up there You'd get your fat ass up there, wouldn't you? Sir, yes, sir And that's how my dad raised me the rest of my growing up, that's all he would he would look at me. I bet you if it was something you wanted up there, you'd get it, wouldn't you? All these people smiling in our faces and acting oh, I'm an abolitionist. You're right, you're right. <laughs> it's the light shining. I get it now, brother. I'm an abolitionist. They a damn lie. They just trying to get out our face and then go on back to what they're doing because nobody had a good time and forgot where they went to have a good time. Nobody had sex the first time and forgot what sex was and never had sex again. Nobody. Got their first degree None of these people got a bachelor's and just stopped going They kept going to get to the heights And they kept digging deeper to research more None of these people got something they wanted And then forgot where they got it from They all go back and get more of what they want When they get an abolitionism handed to them on a platter And they say they love it, they lie Because if you want abolitionism You can go get as much as you want There's plenty of need, plenty of work to be done I don't believe them Yeah, I I don't believe me either Uh,
2: I don't believe me either I try to give the benefit of the doubt though Because we need them to change their minds We do need them to change their minds Or at least pick a side like Clark did You know, pick a side This in-between stuff is getting out of hand Uh, By being lukewarm You're actually on the slaver's side You Like you said Standing right there at the gate Blocking knowledge And our people die for lack of knowledge So here you can get that knowledge As a matter of fact well, I want to give you one of the stories right off the bat. Actually, two of them in quick succession. It won't take long for the first one. You just need to know. But, you know, there are convening the court hearings now here for Slager in South Carolina who shot uh, Brother Scott eight times in the back and then tried to frame him afterwards in uh, cahoots with uh, policemen of color at the time. Well, they just chose the jury. And this is some more of that BS that's happening, and we should be like, okay, this is enough right here. This is is not going to work right here. The jury is 11 whites and one black. 11 whites and one black. See, he's getting tried by a jury of his peers, but uh, Brother Walter Scott is laying in the grave right now, and you know how this is going to end up. It's just terrible, man. So, yeah, they chose the jury here, 11 whites and one black, for the Michael Slager murder trial. And uh, the other thing we was talking about, you know, the type of people that we're dealing with uh, in our communities who are saying one thing and doing another. You know, we've been talking about Christopher Epps, the former Mississippi Department of Corrections commissioner and who was arrested for using the entire state's prison system as his own personal cash machine and enslaving the citizens, the black citizens in particular of Mississippi, in order to keep that cash flow running. Well, the latest news to come out from it now is that he's being charged with burglary. Have you heard that one? On top of everything else. Apparently, he stole something out of the prison, and they're putting that on top of So the story says, uh, uh, Flowood police confirm Epps' arrest for allegedly removing light fixtures from his old home that was forfeited to the government as part of his guilty plea to bribery charges. Oh, my God. So And he stole light fixtures from the house that they took from him because he got it through bribes and payoffs. Epstein is accused of running one of the largest and longest criminal conspiracies in state government history. Let me say that again, because this is not... Uh, 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 You know Just some random words This is exactly what they mean And is accused of running one of the largest and longest Criminal conspiracies In state government history Taking at least 1.4 million in bribes And kickbacks over 8 years To steer more than 800 million worth of state Prison contracts Well both of those numbers are very conservative Trust me Police Chief Richie McCluskey said Epps 55 is now charged with burglary of an uninhabited dwelling. Mr. Epps was arrested at his current residence, also located within Flowood, and without incident, where the property was recovered by detectives that will be returned to the United States government. McLusky said, "Is convicted of the burglary charge. Epps faces a maximum twenty-five years in prison. That would be longer than the maximum twenty years, or uh, twenty-three years Epps faced in the federal bribery case." Epps attorney John Collette, said Tuesday afternoon he didn't have many details about the arrest, but was on his way to the police department. It's unclear at this time whether Epps' arrest will impact him being out on a twenty-five thousand dollar unsecured bond in the federal case. You can read the rest of that online, but you know it's some a couple things disgust me. One, why in the hell is he out on a twenty-five thousand dollar unsecured bond? I mean, why? This is the flavor of the highest order. Committing crimes against humanity and he's out on twenty five thousand. Well, you just answered
0: gone. your own question. He's a slaver. Damn. He's a Tainted, slaver. Where, yeah. He you just answered your own question. He's a slaver and been one for quite some time, and so he just got caught. He got caught, and so he's still getting the slaver's treatment. We take care of our own as much as possible. Damn. And the other thing is that, that they are giving him 25 years
2: for stealing light fixtures. Now, that is outrageous to begin with. I mean, whoever you're giving 25 years to for stealing light fixtures is freaking ridiculous. Just way, way out there. But it makes me think that maybe there was something in those light fixtures, like listening devices and recording devices that they <laughs> wanted back very badly. You know what I mean? So that is why they went through all of this trouble.
3: Well, back to the first story about uh, Walter Scott, because obviously Christopher Epps is just in a world of hurt. I don't even know what. That story is so jacked up. What that idiot could possibly be doing at the house has already been seized by the feds. Who goes back? Like, But with, with uh, the case with Walter Scott and that jury pool, I mean, I just want to give a shout-out to Judge Olu Stevens, because here pretty soon his 90-day suspension without pay should be... Uh, Running out, if I'm not mistaken It will be sometime this month And uh, he was suspended without pay A sitting federal judge Louisville, Kentucky uh, Suspended without pay Because he gave specific instructions To a prosecutor That he was seeing Had a bad habit of creating all white juries That was finding black defendants guilty So he alleges racism at a prosecutor who's showing the track record of, of doing this Obviously this man wouldn't put his name and his job And his life on the line like that Over something like that unless he felt pretty strongly about it And then saw the entire judicial system And legal system Turn against him and then punish him Because he's trying to uphold the constitution So now here Walter Scott goes His death is his own trial and now suddenly we we going to do right though. We going we going to give this white guy a cop a jury of his peers even though all these black folks we didn't sit to prison ain't had not one black def well, one black juror ever. It's it's so blatant. It's so blatant and obvious.
0: Yes, it is. Um, before we take our our break, and we do listen, callers. Anytime that you want to chime in or or give us a call, we do try to share a lot of information. But please don't hesitate to jump in with a question or a comment uh, by giving us a call at six four one seven one five thirty six sixty. And the participant code is five four nine zero three two pound. Again, that is five four nine zero three two pound. Um, Let me just say this before we uh, uh, go to to break. Um, The day before yesterday, I did a program on BTR News about black business ethics and, and black people preying upon other black people's need to support black businesses. And and so, but you, we have have scoundrels out there. I can't believe I just used that word. But we got scoundrels out there that's taking advantage of, of people. Then yesterday I was talking about the bad behavior of Donna Brazil as she helped uh, Hillary Clinton, the grandmother of what they call mass incarceration, but we say it's modern slavery. She's we could call her the grandmother of of these three strikes and in and the uh just all the the clinton crime bill let me put it that way and so i talked about even her her ethics being unethical meaning she don't have any ethics whatsoever not setting a good example for our youth and whatnot and, and i had to say the same thing about christopher epps here's another black person who quote unquote made it after getting an education and this is what he did with that education he didn't use that education for the liberation of black people what he did was use that education to move up in the slavers ranks and once he became a plantation overseer he used that he used that position to enrich himself with even more butter biscuits. He wasn't so he wasn't he was not satisfied with the butter biscuits and the perks that Massa was already giving him for being such a good steward of the slave system down down there. It, um where is that? Alabama, I believe. Uh, Alabama, Mississippi, one of those states. In, anyway so I'm like, so now he just went over and beyond and and just got greedy and he got caught with his hand in the butter biscuit uh, jar. And so, so again, no ethics whatsoever, but I would argue he didn't have no ethics to begin with. I understand people who are unaware, unknowledgeable, who go into these careers of, of prison guards and things of that nature. But we've had a number of, I can say at least one prison guard, former prison guard who's called into this show. And after he experienced what he experienced and came to the realization that it was slavery and he quit, but it's just too many of us. Again, this requires our participation. And so while I do acknowledge, I I will be an idiot not to acknowledge racism and, and institutional racism but all black folks ain't victims in my opinion we'll get people who will say oh Christopher Epps just a scapegoat and they'll try to dismiss and rationalize why he shouldn't be um, 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 under the threat of slavery himself after for so long presiding over a prison slave plantation so those those are are, are my thoughts on that Christopher Epps story Max you're listening to New Adler Smith Radio gonna take a break
2: and when we come back on the other side we're gonna tell you about a lot of innocent people that are sitting in prisons through new revelations that have come out you're listening to new abolitionist radio on BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. we'll be right back
0: 2008, providing new black media for the masses.
2: Peace and welcome back to New As a Lady ratio We're talking about modern slavery and human trafficking. Got kind of an echo going on. In any case, uh, our next couple of stories we want to talk about is uh one. Actually, I think, Johanna, you were the one to put them in our planning page. Uh, one is about the uh, Annie Dukin, uh effects and how many people specifically are involved in uh, unjustly incar- being incarcerated. Uh came out from the ACLU lawsuit that revealed one in six Massachusetts drug convictions tainted by the Dugan scandal. And the other one is a story that came out. From the Columbus Dispatch uh, Questions about an ex-BCI scientist That cast doubt on a lot of convictions over there And it could affect thousands of, uh, of cases So if you want to go ahead and grab those two and, and share them with the audience, I'd appreciate it
3: Yeah, this is uh, the continued fallout, man I mean, it's those two stories The the more specific numbers to Annie Dugan's case now Um And then the story, like you mentioned, coming out of Ohio, but then there's also still another tie-in out in Las Vegas, where uh, cops have been uh, found to be using uh, bogus drug kits. And this has been going on since the 90s, so they're on the street with drug kits that they know erroneously identify Drugs and, and other contraband substances, and using this as evidence you, to convict you, people. So you this sure? Is hey,
0: hey, you sure it was uh, erroneously? Because that means that that was a mistake. I I think. Oh, that well. Yeah, I, they might have been designed that way. I, I,
3: I, yeah, I meant the results of the testing were were in, were uh, were not. Uh, not right we're not uh, uh correct findings but yeah you're right about that i understand exactly what you mean yeah the That's system has a potential for error yeah they're they they designed it that way and so it's working exactly how they how they want it to work it's mo- it's moving the chains on the uh on the Las Vegas municipal and state you know all the different court systems that are affected by all the people they can arrest so but yeah to start off with um the first one that, that got me on this information was a story coming out of uh out of Ohio, this uh lab tech named G M- Michelle Yezo. Um, this is just a bizarre story. This lady worked for uh what they call BCI, a lab called BCI, which is used by the state police and several other jurisdictions of police to um you know, to do lab testing. So I wasn't able to find anything as far as like what we found out on Annie Duke and what they were saying, you know, that these labs that will take uh, paid incentives for all the guilty ver- you know guilty uh verdicts they can get um but this lady was not only doing the craziness in the lab she was nutty as hell just as a person in general. They said this chick was in the office she would show her show her breasts off to the co-worker and you know this is a the older woman uh older looked like kind of heavy set white lady that had been working there for some thirty years said she would just pull her breasts out and show them to the co-workers and tell people F off, give her give her bosses the finger. She had been suspended before, uh, been in trouble for doing all kind of crazy, insubordinate behavior, and still had her job and still was in this position to get people convicted of crimes for 30 years. So they said now that there's probably hundreds of criminal convictions in Ohio that will be in jeopardy as a result because uh, they've been finding out that you know all her forensic work she was doing was always a joke So uh, Yeah, that's That's the first one, like I said, that kind of got me into it And then going into the Annie Ducan Situation uh, Before
2: you go into the Annie Dukin, I just want to point out An article about the thing out there In Columbus, they were saying that uh, BCI, which handles 37,000 Cases a year, has a long history Of doing good work, and has received The highest level of accredit- accreditations. Well, we know that with for example, Christopher Epps was giving his own prisons their credits. You know, saying that they were working at 100% and doing perfect And there was a model for prisons all over the nation So when you start telling us about how accredited you are We are not trying to hear
3: none of that Right, that's always a damn joke These people create these little cottage industries of, of accreditation for themselves Because just like with everything else, the general public could give a damn So this is what happens You know, seriously, I mean, most school districts are struggling with their credation And keeping up all their information and all of that And the average parent with kids in school don't know or really don't too much care As long as the kid goes someplace during the course of the day They really could care less So you know when something is extreme and an outlier as what's going on in the prisons And the process for how to get people into prisons You continue to hear the mass narrative of If you don't want to do time, don't do crime. If you don't Mm. want to get killed by police, don't commit crimes. If you don't want police to shoot you in the back and murder you, you should not engage police. Do what they tell you to do and fight it out in court if they are wrong. Don't ever – you're not trained – You don't know, you don't expect anything, you're not doing anything, but if a person just walks up to you and snatches you up and puts you in chains, allow them to do that and then identify themselves as an officer of the law later and then tell you later once you're inside a cage why you're in that cage. And if they're wrong, this is the logic that people have. So I'm not surprised at all that the average person could give a damn that these laboratories that are processing 25, 30, 50, 70, 100,000 cases a year are completely BS Accred- mm-hmm. accredited laboratories. Some some person made up a damn scheme online and gave themselves a certificate. <laughs> and guess who her union was?
2: The Fraternal Order of Police, and even they refused to back her. She was yep. that
3: crazy. Yeah, they refused to back her. Now when she get when she get poop on her hands. Mm-hmm. But when she was when she was uh doing the dirty work in the trenches and getting them all day quotas met mm-hmm. and turning all these street cops into detectives and turning detectives into sergeants and captains and everybody's getting promotions and prosecutors is getting convictions and turning into politicians and moving on up into being state senators and moving you know, all these people moving up the chain for thirty years, she got a lot of people promoted, got a lot of people paid. They loved
0: her. Wow, wow. Hey, before we move on uh, to the next story or or we finish up our commentary, let's get this grab this caller right quick. Uh, area code 702, thank you for calling in to New Abolitionist Radio. Go ahead with your question or comment.
4: Hello, thank you for taking my call. This is Jay from Ohio. I'm actually glad that you were speaking about that story because I did. I actually have the paper with me, and I read the story too, and it says that uh Michelle Yezzo, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce her name, she says that she was showing her breast to co-workers at the bar, and I definitely found that to be, it was funny to me, but the thing that I really wanted to, the thing that I, I actually focused on was the, some people said that she called an African-American scientist mm-hmm. a racial slur, they didn't care about that, and then not only that, it features two stories in the paper, and the white gentleman, he was actually, he was actually released because of her faulty, like, blood spatter analysis. But the black man who was actually a capital case, and he was only 13 days away from being executed, his (laughs) sentence was only commuted to life, and I couldn't quite understand that. Now, I know that the white guy, he has, he's now, like, he has dementia, and he's actually in a nursing home, but for her to actually go through so many different cases, and like you said, like for 32 (laughs) years, she was still able to not quite do her job correctly, and within the first four months for her to be able to still, you know, throw a tantrum about practicing for a court case, I, I just feel like, you know, it definitely stinks of racism, if nothing else. So um, oh, yeah. I just wanted to make that comment, so thank you for taking my call.
2: Thanks for calling. Appreciate that, sharing that uh, part of the story, too, because that was on my Q&AQ is cleared. Go ahead, Max. we lose Max?
0: No, no. No, I just said thank you oh, for sharing God. that part of the story. It was on my mind as well. Yeah. I mean, so that's, that's a similar a story to someplace. here in North Carolina, just to let y'all know how widespread this is. Google Dwayne Deaver, North Carolina SBI right. crime right. lab. Same stuff. Yeah. They will find ketchup and he will put in a report that it was blood. This man, yep. same story, same story. So,
3: expert witness
0: that will go on
3: the stand and sit there and look at the person in their face and tell the jury this person's guilty because of my expert. This, this, and this, I can show you that this will prove to you this guy did it. And the, yeah, man, we did. And in the thirty years,
0: in the thirty plus years that he was the head, now he was the head of the crime lab. He would not even. Um, go to, like, you know, when they have these, um, what do we call them? Seminars or classes so that you can be up on the latest techniques and and what oh, have yeah. you. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't even do that, man. He had a degree in zoology. That was it. But yep. he wouldn't go to none of the forensic, you know, seminars or, or, or things of that nature. So this is why I spread people. So that's just Annie Duke and where was she? Massachusetts? Um, Dwayne Deaver here in North Carolina. And what state y'all say that was in? Ohio. Ohio. Okay, there you go. The first thing I would do
2: is we've already reported here that as many as 14 states offer incentives for positive drug or alcohol results. And these come directly from the prison. So they're offering incentive, cash incentives to either the department the, uh, Or the technicians themselves I see if that was involved be to begin with That would be one of the first things on my list Had she been getting paid for this Like I said people would sell the mama For $10 We know Annie Dukin did that She was selling thousands of people's futures For a few extra dollars in her paycheck I think the total they were getting Was $600 towards the uh, Towards the department Or something like that
3: Well, with her situation, I was just going to say, with her case, though, uh, looking at the the ACLU, of course, is still following that, said uh, prosecutors responding to the ACLU litigation have finally provided lists for the first time that identify more than 24,000 drug cases that were worked on by her, you know, while she was running that lab, um, in which people were convicted or had other adverse dispositions. These Dukin cases appear to account for an astounding twenty five percent of all prosecutions that led to convictions in the seven counties that used the Hinton State Lab during Dukan's tenure, one in six drug prosecutions in the Commonwealth over a ten year period.
2: Did we lose Johannin or was it media got lost?
3: No, no, I'm still here. I mean, that was pretty much the weight of it, you know. I mean, this is one out of six people that got convicted. It's 24,000 drug cases over a 10-year time period that we're talking about that got right, adversely right. affected directly by. And and this is my thing too, you know. I'm I admit it. I'm a bit of a skeptic, but you know, the information, the history, the current situation we're in, all pretty much uh, the smart money is on skepticism, honestly. Proof to me that they actually did find Only 24,000 cases I would venture to believe that there's probably 100,000 cases And in a lot of those right. cases they said, ah, screw it It could stay in jail, who cares We gotta give them some kind of decent number But God, if we told them it was 100,000 people We'd have anarchy
1: wasn't I think that's people?
3: the conversation
2: At the same time, in the same place, wasn't there Another woman there who was part of this uh yes. And and if you put those two together, it, like said, it's probably 100,000 or more yeah. cases. What they said at the end of the article messed me up. Um, it's obviously someone who doesn't know that they have an incentive for lab technicians to provide positive results. So they said at the end, so why would police agencies continue to use faulty tests? Well, for one, the tests are cheap. The less charitable explanation is that police tend to trust their hunches even if the powder or plant material they find under the floor mat isn't illegal a test showing that it get, showing that it is gives them cause for a more thorough search G- now, now let me give you confirming police suspicions suspicions mean more searches more arrests
0: and more convictions now let me give well, you an example how easy it is for you and your children to get caught up with the in where this might come into play I think I told this story about how this this cop in Mount Holly, who seemed to want to target my daughters, and they were they were driving, and I don't know why he pulled them over. I think she said she might have been going a little fast or whatnot. So he pulls them over. She, they pull over into the, a parking lot of a, a local restaurant and whatnot. And then he talking about he smelled weed. And they were like, no, ain't no weed. You won't smell no weed like that. So he was like, I'm going to search the car. And they was like, no, you cannot search the car. My father said that that uh, we don't have to give you permission to search our car. And so then he going to say, well, I got probable cause. I smell weed. So they didn't argue with him. They got out and let him search And so like we live, we live in a rural area and it's not just that we live in a rural area, but you tend to debris tends to accumulate in the floor. Like, like your was talking about a while ago. So here's this, this, this dirt, let's just call it dirt, you know, up in the corner, And he talking about. I wonder if I test this, if it's gonna come back positive. And they was like, "We'll go ahead and test it, but it ain't nothing but dirt." And he eventually let them go, but that could have turned out a whole lot different if they had been, if we had been where they are using these faulty tests and all that kind of stuff. So don't think it can happen to you or yours that fast, just that quickly. Just
3: That very quickly I think Um, that's really what the passion That I come With every day to Studying and staying on top of of Communicating this and investigating And why like we started a program Off uh, you know coming Down hard on all these experts and so Forth is because it can happen That fast and I say it every Week if I you know if it comes up I have children so I don't Know if these people feel like Well, I have a PhD, and I'm a tenured professor at Columbia, so it would never happen, even though it happened to Henry Louis Gates, trying to walk into the front door of his house, it could never happen to me. I don't know why they don't think it can happen to them, but I definitely think it could happen, because as I was growing up, I grew up in a decent neighborhood parents both working, made good money, took care of us. I didn't have any kind of things that I just had to have I couldn't get, so we wasn't starving or we wasn't living in this if Donald Trump talks about the ghetto is so bad and nothing like that. I lived okay. And I still barely made it through half the time. It was plenty of times they could have easily picked me up like a Khalif Browder off the street. It's plenty of times they could have easily blown me away like a Tamir Rice. It's plenty of times I will walk around the neighborhood with a Red Rider BB gun. It's been several children, not just Tamir Rice. It's been several children across the country. There's one little boy, a Latino boy in California. I remember from last year he got killed with an airsoft target gun. Same kind of – I did that as a kid. I had BB guns. We walked around our neighborhood. We would shoot at birds. We would shoot signs. We would shoot stuff, shoot bottles and flower pots and do it. I could have been blown away. I think about my kids right now. I called my nephew. I don't want to say caught him because it wasn't like he was doing nothing necessarily wrong. 15 years old, him and his friends was riding around. He got his little driver's permit or whatever for him and his friends riding around in the car. From some place they were at, they had a BB gun and they were traveling to somewhere else. I just so happened to look in the car at a time when he had stopped at the house and saw the BB gun. And of course told him, you mean you? What are you trying to get killed? All you need is somebody to say, I saw some black kids riding in this this type of car, and I could have swore I saw a gun. And you won't know because your music's up and you're driving down the street And when they block off the street in front of you Until you get out and they pull you out the car at gunpoint If somebody sees that gun They got the right to just start blowing holes in you right then and there You have to not carry stuff like this with you You cannot be out here like that This is real I don't don't know how people are not taking it like the life and death situation it is
2: A lot we don't know when it comes to understanding The psychology of the people around us That's for sure A lot we don't understand And I don't know if we ever will I got a uh, Unless you have more to those stories You want to add uh, I have some good news that we want to throw out there uh, In this war that we have going on
4: Oh yeah
3: Go ahead We pretty much covered you know what, what's going on with all of them Alright Well,
2: um, We got about five minutes for our next break Just uh, just enough time. The Justice Department plans to end its use of private prisons. I'll repeat that. The Justice Department has said they are going to end their use of private prisons. They didn't before when we gave the news, and when their uh, prison stocks just dropped to the point where it almost destroyed their industry in a single day. That was them saying they were going to review their relationships and contracts with private prisons, thinking about ending them. Now they have come to the decision. This is from the Washington Post. The Justice Department plans to end its use of private prisons after officials concluded the facilities are both less safe and less effective at providing correctional services than those run by the government. Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates, uh, General Sally Yates, wow, announced the decision on Thursday in a memo that instructs officials to either decline to renew the contracts for private prison operators when they expire, now there's a little secret to that sentence right there, I'll fill in the blank in a minute, or substantially reduce the contract scope. The goal, Yates wrote, is reducing and ultimately ending our use of privately operated prisons they simply do not provide any the same level of correctional services, programs, and resources. They do not save substantially on costs, and as noted in a recent report by the Department's Office of Inspector General, they do not maintain the same level of safety and security, Yates wrote. While experts said the directive is significant, privately run federal prisons house only a fraction of the overall population of inmates. The vast majority of the, incarceration of the incarcerated in America are housed in state prisons rather than federal ones. And Yates' memo does not apply to any of those, even the ones that are privately run. Nor does it apply to Immigration and Customs Enforcement and U.S. Marshal Service detainees who are technically in the federal system, but not under the purview of the Federal Bureau of Prisons. The directive is instead limited to the 13 privately run facilities housing as little as 20. 1,000 inmates in the Federal Bureau of Prison System. The facilities were meant mainly to house inmates who are mostly low security, criminal alien men with 90 months or less time remaining on their sentences, according to the recent Department of Justice Inspector General Report. Yates said the Justice Department reviewed the contracts for those facilities as they come up for renewal, as all will do in the next five years. She said they would then be reduced or allowed to expire, though none would be Terminated prematurely Now see what they so conveniently Left out of this freaking article uh, I'll talk about that first Is that these contracts are as much As 25 years in length Guaranteeing 80 to 100% occupancy For the entire length of the contract Some of these contracts Were just signed as early as Last year So what they're talking about Is over the next 25 years Or 25 years from now We'll review this contract And we might not renew it So this is just so much propaganda And then secondly Where they said the same thing they said in the other articles I read where oh this is just 13 poverty prisoners 22,000 inmates Most of the prisoners in X, X, and X Well this is the federal government doing this They are leading the way in this If they If they have any intention of ending private prison contracts, that gives these prisons 25 years to change their business practices or be done. No wonder their stocks are dropped. They dropped 50% just recently. So those are the two things about this particular uh, thing that I wanted to say. And finally, I consider these victims. If we're shaking them up this badly, where they have to make even the smallest concessions, that means they know that the time is limited. And they have to now find ways to restructure their industry.
0: Well, I would just add to that before we go to break and on the other side of the break, Max, I would like to share a related story and a story, a follow up to a story we reported on the last time about the GEO group donating over $100,000 to a a pro-Trump Super PAC, who we know he has said that that he thinks private prisons are great. He loves them and what have you. But I would say to the story that you just reported that that highlights the importance of advancing that legislation, Justice is Not for Sale Act 2016, and getting it signed into law. the The prospects of that look pretty dim right now, in, in my opinion. Uh, I I, want to be hopeful, but I'm also a realist. Uh, I don't trust uh, Hillary Clinton, obviously, the grandmother of mass incarceration. And certainly, you know, Trump has already stated his love for private prison slavery. Well, when we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about that and
2: more. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio. with Scotty Reed, Johanna and and Max Parthas. We'll be right back after these messages. Uh. Yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah. Uh. yeah. We yeah.
4: Black Talk Media Project funds the use of new media technology in efforts to restore independent black voices to the myriad of issues affecting Afro-descendant people all over the planet. If media can control the minds of the masses, as Malcolm X once said, then you must ask yourself, who is in control of the media targeting the masses of black people today? help bring back independence, self-determination and respect for black culture in the production of global media by joining the effort to crowdfund new black media for the new millennium. Visit blacktalkmediaproject.org for more information on how you can invest in public black radio for the masses.
2: Welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio.
0: You
4: know, I'm the abolitionist
2: list of things to do ending private prisons is one of them but not the whole shebang and we are well on our way to making that happen the federal uh uh government can do it the states will follow suit and if the states follow suit we can expect immigration to follow suit after that it's going to be a chain reaction so we've got to keep kicking these dominoes over and as Uh, Scotty mentioned uh, the Justice Is Not the Sale Act is in Congress right now and you can look on New Abolitionist Radio on Facebook for the link to be able to support it
0: Yes and I certainly would encourage people uh, to contact Represent, well, I don't like to call them my representatives, but the representative who is over the district you are in, you need to put pressure on them uh, about the Justice is Not For Sale Act and get and push them to support it. Um, this story um, that I was talking about before we went to the break it is published on Fusion.net. Uh, america's second largest private prison company accused of illegally donating to a pro-trump super PAC and obviously we're talking about the geo group when you talk about the second largest private prison company in america why do they say in america well just say in the world okay second largest. I don't even pro- know if it is second largest in the world to be honest with you, Scottie. In America, yeah. But in the world, remember, they have G4S
2: and combined with G4S, but g g G4S- rival g-
0: CCA. Yeah, but G4S... Yeah isn't specifically in the private prison they also provide security services and other so they have a a a diversity of services geo group and correction corporation of america solely focus on on slavery but notwithstanding your point is taken g4s is a pretty darn large company the largest employer in africa uh, so encouraging that African own, African crime and what have you. So, um, but anyway, getting back to the Geo Group, I reported on this on this uh, program that they made a one hundred thousand donation to a super PAC supporting Donald Trump, and to me that just reeked a desperation right there. They are feeling the heat, and so they dumped all this money into the election. It was actually. 150,000 total but 100,000 went to this super PAC so it goes on to read a subsidiary of the GEO group which runs 64 prisons and jails around the country made the donation in August to Rebuilding America Now the primary PAC backing a Republican nominee that's already raised upwards of 20 million for his campaign the donation allegedly violated a law banning federal contractors from making federal political donations while in negotiations for a contract. GEO Correction's Holdings Incorporated made the $100,000 donation on August the 19th, just one day after the Department of Justice announced that it would phase out its private prisons, including several contracted to GEO. The donation was brought to light by the Campaign Legal Center, a nonprofit which filed a complaint to the Federal Election Commission on Tuesday. So that was just yesterday. Trump has praised private prisons. He said, I do think we can do a lot of privatization, uh, excuse me, privatizations in private prisons. It seems to work a lot better, he said in March, while Hillary Clinton has called for all private prisons to be shuttered. Federal contractors are prohibited by law from making any political donations while they are negotiating or performing a federal contract. So they got them on both counts there. On the same day that GEO made the $100,000 contribution, the company's CEO, George Zoli, told shareholders on a conference call that the company was currently negotiating a contract extension for its D. Ray James facility. That's evidence. Those calls are recorded. We download them. A federal prison in Georgia among the prisons earmarked by the DOJ for closing. So if you want to check out the rest of that, I will go ahead and post it on New Abolitionist page. I already put it up there for okay. you, All right. So but there's a lot more to read. But it seems to me that they got them dead to rights right here. They caught them red-handed. But let's see what will come of it. So I, I, what do we do? We I guess we should uh, start a campaign, a call, email, petition campaign. To what? Who will we point this to? The Department of Justice? Yes, the Department of Justice would be in charge. Yep. I would think the Department of Justice would be in charge of investigating this and prosecuting. This is also it. lead in the RICO charges. Uh, yep man caught red Right.
1: it, it just it, it strikes me as so
2: wonderful to watch slavers and slave industries shaking in their boots they, they're just throwing money they don't care if it's illegal or not they, they're going to get caught or not it's just like we got to do this right now <laughs> and they're just throwing money at Trump I
0: tend to think they do Trump. care Max I think this was an emotional reaction to that news Uh and the pressure that we've been putting on them. We know when you get emotional that you make mistakes. I don't think that they would do this purposely. I think that they are in their desperation made a very, very uh, uh, serious mistake here, and I hope it cost them. Yes, and desperation is the right word because as we've mentioned, on August 18th,
2: they almost went out of business. The only thing that stopped them was Wall Street stopped trading. But their stocks are still plummeting right now, and they are on their way out, and they know it, so they're trying to rebrand in any way they can, which is the other story that came out about the number one private prison company in the nation who is now changing their name. <laughs> like they are all so scared, so now they're going to hide under a new name that has nothing to do with prisons at all. Uh, that comes out of all issues with. Fusion. Yeah, it's fusion as well and it says the largest private prison company in America is changing his name but can't escape a troubled record but if there's any more you want to
0: add on to the story we were just talking about GL group Scotty say that again Max <laughs> Was there anything else you
2: want to add about that Geo Group story of them getting busted red-handed now, and uh, maybe this is a move? Yeah, for I, I just want.
0: Shouldn't I just want to um, just say to our abolitionist friends and partners out there that we we need to strike while the beast is wounded and keep on striking while he's right. wounded, right, and right. we need to put keep putting the pressure on. Right, I definitely agree. That's. That's
3: what I'm sitting here thinking while y'all are t- saying, you know, what you're saying. Of course, I agree with what you're talking about. But that's all that keeps going through my head is, yeah, they're desperate right now. Yeah, sure, they got rocked a little bit. They got, you know, off balance. They had to scramble. They got to make some moves. But what these people do is take double the measures. They double down, like literally double down on what they've already done before to be successful. They've got those kind of pockets. We don't have that kind of lifetimes. We don't have that many generations to keep giving to them while they find a new path that can't be defeated, that can't be injured in the same kind of way. I was just reading even today, and uh, one of the financial uh, websites uh, that was talking about the conference call, the Geo Group, or the uh, corrections Corp, well, both of them will be having them, but Corrections Corporation of America is having their uh, third quarter earnings call tomorrow afternoon... Um, uh, Eleven o'clock Eastern, and so I was reading some of the same information we're talking about now, and they're trying to rename themselves, and just these different things going on. And more important than the story for what I was studying, now of course, we're telling the story to the listeners now. But more important to me at that time was I scroll down through the story and start because I noticed this particular story had a lot of comments. And and private prison information on these financial websites don't tend to have a lot of social commentary, uh comments and stuff at the stories. Maybe one person will say something or, you know, whatever, but it's just not that common. This this uh story about the renaming and the quarterly call coming up and all this, it had something like twenty five or thirty comments, so I'll scroll down and read through them. And these people are these are the investors. These are the people and they're and they're talking about all kinds of different investment levels. There's a guy that was saying he had lost he bought in at the crash. And you know when we when they made the announcement and they and they lost they had to suspend trading because they lost so much and I think they had dipped as low as like maybe twelve or thirteen dollars a share and he was saying he bought in at the crash and uh, to date he's a uh, he's about forty thousand dollars in the hole because they haven't recouped and because they are you know not still scrambling and not getting things figured out or whatever and now he's wondering should he cut his losses and get out at forty thousand. There's people that's talking about how many thousands they're in, and they're gonna stay in it for the long haul. Most of the people that are commenting on there are talking about how, you know, just hang in there, it's gonna be worth it. And these are people that are there were several that I noticed that were that were openly supporting Donald Trump and talking about how if Hillary gets in. That it's likely that the state, that the uh, government will be looking to take over all the the prison responsibilities, and even if they don't get rid of private prisons, they're probably going to want to do the incarcerating. So there's going to be all kind of money they may still tend to lose. But for the most part, they were saying that they still believe in this investment because the share the uh, the board members from the president on down are all owners of major parts of the shares. They were talking about Damon Heinegger, the CEO of of, uh, CCA has over 200,000 shares. So they're saying that based on this information, as wise investors, it's in these people's best interest to turn the ship around. They're saying if you don't see them selling stock, then you need to hang in there because if they were going to get out of it, they would sell stock and just crash the whole thing right now, so stay in there. This is the mentality of people, and it took me back to imagining what it must have been like in 1816, not 2016, 1816. Well, this is completely normal This is completely kosher behavior To be trading slaves To be talking about slavery As the existence of the economy That you take part in and derive profits from These people are out of their damn minds This is 2016 And they're basing their family's Legacy Their future, their wealth Our presidents On slavery
2: You know We have said before And I'll say it again that the private prisons are not the everything on slavery. It's the once you end them, that's not going to end slavery. But I tend to think of things in the term of cancer sometimes now because of what's going on in my daughter's life and in my family's life. The private prison industry, which was really introduced as we know it by the Clintons in 1994, has. Grown to such proportions that, as you know, we have the largest prison population in the history of the world today. It's profit only at any cost philosophy bled into every part of our justice system that cancer infected everything it infected our courts it infected our legislation it infected our state prisons our local jails everybody started getting on the bandwagon when they saw how much money was going into people's pockets through these private prisons so even state and federal-run prisons started doing the same thing. For example, Christopher Epps out in Mississippi with his state-run prisons was running a slave plantation to make money. They weren't doing it just because you get they get paid uh, by the government, but because the taxpayer is paying for your incarceration. You being the taxpayer, paying for your own incarceration. So in order to get rid of this type of corruption, you have to take the cancer part out. You've got to take that out, surgically remove it, and that is private prisons. Once we take that out, then we can start cleaning up the rest of this mess that's going on with the federal, state, and local detention centers. Just my perspective on that. Well, Unless we have anything else on there, I'll go into the next story about CCA. Mm-hmm. You gentlemen there? Yeah, man, we are ready Oh, okay, with today's technology, the way we've been going lately I never know if I'm in or out, you know what I mean? If it's silence, I have to check <laughs> Well, this story comes out of the Fusion, out of Fusion uh, as well And it says, the largest private prison company in America Is changing its name in an attempt to overhaul a business That has been dogged by accusations of inmate abuse and violence Corrections Corporation of America, which runs more than 70 prisons And houses 70,000 inmates around the country is rebranding as Core Civic, the company announced on Friday. Now, Core Civic does not make you think of a prison, and I think that's exactly what they wanted. The name change comes as the private prison industry is facing some of the rockiest times in its three decade history. After an inspector general report found substantial living conditions, inadequate medical care, and higher rates of violence at 14 prisons run by CCA and other private companies. The Department of Justice announced in August that it would be phasing out its private prisons. The company's stocks fell 35% in one day. Now, the Department of Homeland Security is considering following suit and phasing out privately run immigration detention centers with a decision expected to be announced by the end of next month. Like I said, it's a chain reaction. Meanwhile, Watchdog Groups, elected officials and the media are devoting more attention to what goes on behind the doors of private prisons. In a blockbuster Mother Jones investigation earlier this year, reporter Shane Bauer went undercover as a private prison guard in a CCA facility in Louisiana and uncovered how cost-cutting was putting guards and prisoners at risk. The prison is no longer operated by the company. Alex Friedman, a criminal justice activist at the Human Rights Defense Center and former inmate who served six years in CCA facility, told me he thinks the company's name change is an attempt to escape a damaged brand. The CCA name has become a liability due to its connection with higher levels of violence, sexual abuse, corruption, and questionable cost savings at CCA-run prisons and jails. Friedman said in an email, CCA may have changed its name, but its business model, bad corporate practices, and sordid history remain the same. You can read the rest of that at New Abolitionist Radio. So you're saying that they're they're telling people not to, uh, to worry at this moment because the people that own all the stocks are not selling theirs. But at the same time, they're changing their name. So what they're basically saying is that we're trying to rebrand. Just hold on with us. But what I think is the reason they're not selling, because if they started selling it, would collapse. That would just send everybody into
3: collapse mode. Because the moment that you say, well, we lost, we're going to sell now. That's it. Collapse mode. Yep. They already saw it happen when they got the word of of the DOJ memo. They saw the collapse. They saw their uh their excuse me their their black uh what was it black monday or whatever they 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 saw what could happen they saw the 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 potential for losing it all, so no, they're probably not going to make moves, but that's why I also try to keep an eye on who's moving shares around because they will from time to time move around you know sell back. 35 50 70,000 shares or transfer them over to some other position in the fund or, you know make these moves with big chunks of shares and I try to keep an eye on that as well because I mean this is what those same people that are in those comment sections who are who are invested in it this is what they're watching as well everybody got their eye on it to see they don't and, and the thing that scares me about it is that's one part of it yeah sure the money game and what they're trying to do but And the slavery, obviously, just the barbarity and just the the unnecessary, you know, nature of of even having to talk about slavery in in the so-called modern time. I mean, all of that, yes. But next to that, too, is the fact that all of these people have all of this power that's based on their desire to generate revenue, and they have no concern whatsoever How much crime is going on? What are the conditions of our communities? What are the situations that are leading people? Because they have to get people incarcerated for this to work. So they've all resigned themselves to that fact that if I'm buying in this, this it's like if I want to buy shares at McDonald's, that means people have to still be eating hamburgers. So on down the line somewhere, I have to not care about you know, what they talk about, methane gas produced by increasing the population of cattle herds and all this kind of stuff. I don't care about that. I just want to make sure we're selling burgers so I can get my McDonald's stocks up. In the same way, these people don't care about a million immigrants in detention right now. They don't care about 700,000 marijuana arrests last year and looking at nine states right now on the ballot across the country that are looking at legalizing or decriminalizing cannabis. In all forms or at least for medicinal use These are things that should be a part of their conversation Since they're so worried about money They should be looking at the political landscape In a more complete fashion To see well look If marijuana arrests were 700,000 Then they need to be able to follow How many of those 700,000 turned into people That were put into the prisons that they're investing in That's what I would do as a wise investor If I see nine states saying Marijuana arrests could completely go away then I got to look at how many hundreds of thousands does that affect? <coughs> Excuse me. So if that's a couple hundred thousand, and I find out that's twenty, thirty, fifty thousand that are going specifically to the prisons that I'm invested in, now this starts to look like this is not a good investment, or one of those uh, chair people at the shareholders meeting needs to be able to tell me how are you going to replace if all nine of these pass? Okay, if five of them pass? Okay, if two of... Them, I need to know scenarios till I can know where my money's going. No, none of those people cares. They're all betting on it because they don't think it's going to go away, and they've already seen how our legislation will come into place and victimize the citizens and take the prison ranks up from 300000 to $2.3 so they can all make money. They've seen it before. They believe it will happen again. This is why it's so serious to me.
2: <laughs> you know, people run around telling me and others that the only way we're going to solve our problems is if we vote, and in particular... We vote for Clinton. Well, I guess (laughs) if the only thing you can get that you can do is get off your lazy behind and go down and sign on the dotted line, yes, Clinton. If that's all you can possibly do, I guess then that is the only option that you have. But a little over four years ago, when we started this program, private prisons were untouchable. Nobody in their right mind ever considered that they would be going out of business in just a few years. Nobody expected it. Nobody knew it except us. I'll tell you what, I, I think what
0: those... Do. I think that um, when we would publish their calls and even broadcast their calls live and then give our commentary and what have you, I mean, that really gave people an insider look. At it, and I, I would say that that's probably, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a part of this award-winning. Let me say that again: this award-winning broadcast. But, yes, but I can't think of any other program in any medium that has done something like that in terms of broadcasting their earning calls and and explaining to people the innards of how modern day slavery works. But you mentioned voting. I was listening to a program earlier today and they were talking about voting. And then there were people who were saying on, on this program who were saying that if you don't like voting is the only option. And then when this other caller was saying, I'm not voting. Now, look, y'all know I vote. I just went and voted Saturday, okay? I always vote because I believe that my vote matters most in this little redneck cracker county I live in, and it hasn't gotten too bad for black folks yet, but I know if the wrong sheriff get in, I don't want no sheriff David Clark. Being elected sheriff down here where I am, so that's why I vote to get these races out of office, man. That that stand in the way of progress. So I don't, I pretty much believe the CEO of USA Inc is selected, especially this election. It was already rigged on the Democratic primary side. So come on, y'all. But uh, but then when they were saying that that voting is the only way. And then they were denouncing violence because this guy was saying, I don't vote, but I'm going to demand that they do this, that, and the other. We need to do this. We need to demand these things, not just because we vote or whether we don't vote. We still need to be putting demands. And I started thinking about the abolitionist movement pre-1865. Those black abolitionists, many of them uh, victims of slavery who had escaped... They did not have the right to vote. So prior to 18, 1865, then how did black people uh, uh, rise up and get themselves out of that current? period of slavery again I'm acknowledging slavery was never abolished but for a few years there after the Civil War there was a temporary reprieve until they figured out how to put the slave codes back into place under the 13th amendment and then then restart it all over but again I mean I am an advocate for voting I'm an advocate of by any means necessary death by a thousand paper cuts but we got some ignorant folks out there with they cowards, and then they want, they want to look down on somebody. But I did want to say this. If you are a voter, you think you don't have a reason to vote, okay? If you are in California or any of those other states where legalizing cannabis is on the ballot, I just came across the article, Pusha T takes part in a PSA supporting California's marijuana legalization bill prop 64 and this is what Pusher said and, and he's right if california's prop 64 passes no one will ever be incarcerated for marijuana again Pusher states in the psa i'm not a california voter but i know when good legislation passes in the biggest state other states follow and he couldn't be more correct. So I'm out here to tell those who are rightly, rightly pissed off about the state of this election and in the the terrible people. Either way, we're going to have to keep fighting. But I mean, still, you need to, to vote. Those who do vote, you need to be paying attention to more than just the the puppets that, you know, that they put in front of us like a Trump and a Clinton. We need y'all in those states to pass this legislation because cannabis incarceration, uh, slavery or, or people who are enslaved, the vast majority are in there because of cannabis related so-called crimes and what have you. So voting do matter. But again, when we did not have the right to vote, we still found other ways. To push up against the system and, and, and work to end slavery. That's all, guys. I ain't mean to go on a rant like that.
1: I'm with
2: you. Voting guns matter, but if you're limiting yourself to that's the only thing you're going to do 365 days a year, or every four years you're going to vote for a president or down the line, then you're wasting everybody's time because you can do so much more than that. And this program is an example of that.
0: Hey, we're going to forget go the last break.
3: Absolutely, I believe in voting. I believe in
0: it. Hey, I was just going to say we're not going to take this next break because we do got to get off air five minutes early, and we got a couple more segments. So let's just push through the break. All right,
2: sounds good. You, right, uh, you wanted to say something?
3: Well, I just wanted to kind of wrap that up. What Scotty was saying and what you were, you know, uh, chimed in on as well. I mean, I definitely. Believe that voting Is a part of This particular type of society We live in yes we have a so, Supposed to be a democratic society We get to make choices and everybody you know the popular All of these things yes but no Voting and choosing Are not the same thing And see we've gone from I don't know if it ever was voting actually Because I don't know what the choice of candidates was like A hundred years ago 50 25 years ago I know in my lifetime Since I've been of age to vote It's been a matter of choosing who they present to you, and I have never been a part of. From my first election was 92 with Ross Perot, Bill Clinton, George Bush Sr., and the state representatives on down from that time in 1992 until this day. I can tell you that none of those people that have ever been on any of those ballots were people that I ever heard of or knew before it was time to choose from them on a ballot. That is the number one way you hamstring the right and the privilege and the duty of voting is when you give people choices as opposed to people producing candidates. When you give people a list of what, what they talk about Trump doing as far as just telling you all this stuff he's going to do, are we going to make America great, and they make a joke at him because he doesn't really present a plan or whatever. The Democrat side is doing the same thing. Hillary Clinton is not listening to what people are saying they want her to do for them so they can give her their, her, their vote. She's telling people what she's going to do. Just like Obama did in 08. He didn't come and people got a chance to talk to him and say, hey man, this is what we need. You know what, we'll vote for you if you could get this this, and this done, because right now we're hurting. In fact, the, quite the contrary. Everything people told him they needed in exchange for his vote, he sat up there and lied and said he would do as soon as he got in. And d- didn't do it. People said they did not want to bail out the banks. He said he was not for that. And then he went in as soon as he got elected, bailed out the banks. So we're not talking about choosing candidates or raising up candidates or presenting our agenda in exchange for our vote. We're talking about choosing from the lesser of two evils, and they just sitting back and taking whatever they give us. That makes it a joke. Word.
2: You know, in the past, just about in every uh, discussion I'm a part of, I always stress that we have to change our mind. Like that is the most important thing, I think, that we have to change our mind about what it is that we're dealing with. And you have to stop thinking that this is a mistake over time and errors in judgment that had unforeseen consequences. When these are the best and the brightest in the nation coming together, they are futurists. It is their job to decide and figure out how this is going to look in 20 and 30 years. And they've done that. This was no mistake. This was put into play on purpose. I just wanted to put that out there before I read the next
1: story. Well, Max, before
0: you you go in, I'm not done. Let me just say this again. But this was like a panel of reverends, ministers. They were on Tanya Free and Friends uh, today. Some of them I heard for the first time and and she brings on a lot of different people with diverse views but i was just shaking my head um today at at the lack of moral code that these ministers was displaying as they was propping up hillary clinton and, and what have you but that caller who had called in who said that he doesn't vote. He said evil is evil. There is no lesser or two evils. Evil is evil. And he went on to even cite some of the evil that Hillary Clinton has done. It did not move the meter whatsoever for those ministers. Uh, uh, so he even said what they did to black people, the Haitians and whatnot. He didn't talk about Libya and the mass murder. She ushered into that country. Uh, um, but, when he said that well they was like well what's your solution what you gonna do and he was like we need to demand he kept saying it in a forceful manner we need to demand so they talked they took that as well he talking about violence cause see again they stuck in voting is all we have but then when they were trying to put him on the spot and say are you talking about violence are you talking about violence if it had been me I would have answered that question if that's what it takes yes because and then they talk about the founding fathers and all that don't nobody say nothing to white people and say oh those founding fathers should have non-violently marched in protest against the king they shouldn't have took up arms and what have you And, and then prior to the civil war we ain't hearing them saying nothing about you know the the union using violence to bring them reps back under heel and, and to you know heed to the pressure that black people was putting on them uh, to end slavery and what not. I'll never hear none of these people. They ain't condemn President Obama for the, uh, the violence he uses and has even murdered American citizens by drone and what have you. So y'all need to come up off of that. that that's, that's a sickness in black people that we so quit that we want to proclaim our nonviolence and we're non-threatening and all of this ain't nobody ever got freedom that way like Asada said nobody has ever gotten freedom trying to appeal to the moral consciousness of their oppressor cause your oppressor don't have a conscience so that's all that's right or well, he wouldn't be doing it he and she cause it's uh
2: unisex when it comes to slavery. And historically speaking, sometimes the uh slave women slaver women were worse than the slaver men. Anyway, I mentioned earlier about changing our mind <clears throat> in regards to this being mistake. So I want that in your head as I read this story to you. It comes from Reinvest for Justice and it's a new report that says the US wasted 3.4 trillion on mass incarceration and criminalization instead of prioritizing education, jobs, housing, public health and environment and it's titled the 3.4 trillion dollar mistake the cost of mass incarceration and criminalization and how justice reinvestment can build a better future for all communities united make the new uh, make the road new york and padres and have just released a new report, the 3.4 million trillion dollar mistake, the cost of mass incarceration and criminalization and how justice reinvestment can build a better future for all, detailing how the U.S.'s misguided criminal justice policies wasted $3.4 trillion over the last three decades that could have instead been used to more effectively address the root causes of crime and meet critical community needs. The report provided... A national and state-by-state analysis of the country's investments in police, prison, jails, prosecutors, and immigration enforcement. It shows that from 1982 to 2012, the U.S. increased its spending on the justice system from $90 billion annually to nearly $297 billion, a 229% increase cumulatively over the thirty year period. The US spent three point four trillion more on the justice system than it would have if spending had remained steady since nineteen eighty two. While this creation of an oversized justice system did not substantially improve public safety, it did result and there being nearly 8 million adults and youth within the justice system in the U.S. In other words, one in 40 U.S. residents is either in prison, in jail, on probation, or parole, or otherwise under control of this system. Additional key findings include this. All 50 U.S. states accumulated billions of dollars in surplus justice spending over that time, ranging from $2.2 billion for North Dakota to $505 billion for California. And they have a map below for data. In 1982, Each household in the U.S. paid an average of $1,076 for our justice system. By 2012, each household was paying an average of $2,557, almost $1,500 more, between 1983 and in 2012, the justice system added an additional 1.2 million police officers, corrections employees, prosecutors, and other employees to our publicly funded workforce, nearly doubling its number of personnel. By far, the largest category of justice spending at 45% of the total is police. Spending. It has also increased over time more than any other categories. For example, in 2012, the U.S. spent 85 billion more on police than it did in 1982. The impact of overinvestment in the justice system has been particularly severe in communities of color. For example approximately one in 18 black residents and one in 34 Latino residents were under the control of the justice system in 2013, compared to one in 55 white residents. The report also details how these resources could have instead been used to invest in life, and living wage jobs, education, housing, healthcare, community wraparound supports, and clean renewable energy sources. It recommends robust and comprehensive justice investment reinvestment initiatives at the federal, state, and local levels to reduce all four areas of surplus justice spending, police, Corrections, judicial, legal, and immigration enforcement, and reinvest those funds in meeting critical community needs, particularly within the neighborhoods most affected by mass incarceration and criminalization. You can download this entire report at New Abolitionist Radio, uh, also the press release, the executive summary uh, or just read the article as we have it
0: there well Max we're Max. running we're nope. really running out of time or well, we're up against it and we do have a caller so I want to get this caller in um, and so we can hit uh, our abolitionist and profile and writer of the Underground Railroad but 803 uh, thank you for calling in to New Abolitionist Radio go ahead with your question or comment Peace, peace,
5: peace This is Palmetto Star, the Ratchet Revolutionary Peace, Kelly Reed. peace, Matt Fartis How
0: y'all doing? Peace.
2: Palmetto Star Palmetto Star was our first caller On our first uh, episode of New Abolitionist Radio
0: Peace Yes,
5: yes
2: And I and I want to
5: say before I even um, make a comment or anything I do want to say congratulations to New Abolitionist Radio. Radio You guys have been on the subject, on this mass incarceration thing, um, really, really pushing the issue. And now, you know, there's, there's going to be this mass inc- um, private prison ban, and that's a definite victory, uh, you know, for the new abolitionists, you know what I'm saying? So um, I, I just want to say congratulations to y'all for really pushing that issue and making it, um putting it in the forefront and in people's minds and things of that nature.
2: Word. Um, Thank you, brother. You and I have fought literally side-by-side side in this fight on more than a few occasions.
5: Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm an abolitionist as well. So, you know, I, that's one of the titles that I do that I do declare. So, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm right there. You know, I'm, I'm so glad this whole thing is going down the way it is. Um I I do want to speak on the election. Um, The election is absolutely a scam. Um, I'm telling people and just, you know, getting a lot of people upset because I am very much so, um, you know, pushing the no, don't vote um, thing because who is there to vote for? It's like you're either voting for the devil or Satan. I mean, there's absolutely no choice. You know, people talk about Trump's racism and not, I mean, uh, Hillary Clinton is just as racist and proved it. You know, I mean, at least Trump hasn't got a chance to prove it in office. Uh, Hillary Clinton did, and, um, you know, and the Clintons did with their, um, you know, mass incarcerations, um, three strikes, you're outlawed. I mean, just, just horrific things that devastated the black community and, and were, um, very, 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 um, devastating to, um, black people in general. So, I mean, to have somebody say that they're trying to vote for the lesser of two evils by voting for Hillary, as opposed to Trump is just insanity, Mm. you know, um, right now, I'm actually very excited about the election because it seems that um, the, like the old bu- biblical adage that Satan is casting out Satan and you're seeing a lot of infighting and you're seeing a lot of infighting that you probably wouldn't have seen um, otherwise because there's two factions that are fighting for the control of white subjugation. You have the Nazi more redneck um, that sort of side that are more um, ardent racist are more um, in-your-face racism and then you have the, the Wall Street savvy sort of racism that Hillary Clinton represents mm-hmm. um, You know where they try to put a black face on, on the white subjugation system so um, you're, you're seeing the, both of those sides and they're fighting and you know I encourage um, pink on pink balance. I think it is. It's, I think it's beautiful. <laughs> so you know, I'm very excited about the uh, the election, and I you know, and and, and um, but, the but, anarchist but, in me almost the anarchist in me wants a, a Trump up, upset. You know that that would be uh, that would definitely be beautiful and bring a lot of. Uh, but, and either way, either way, I think that um, something's got to happen yeah, because yeah. um, because well, p- there's been there's too many white people that have been riled up and um and now they got in, you know international people, white people like um Putin who's who's riled up about the election and you know and it's 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 gotten violent and I don't see it stop getting violent I see it I see it increasing you know what I'm saying don't oh, I, I don't mean to
0: cut you off and, brother. I don't mean to cut you off, but we're running out of time, man, because we got another program. Right, go yeah. But thank you for okay. calling in, man, and make sure you, you call back in more often. Word. Uh, oh, absolutely. This, all right, man, This is Peace. the
2: brother that didn't die. You know, we hear about all those reports about police have interactions and chasing people down and shooting them dead. This is the brother that didn't die. He managed to survive his interaction. And uh, you can find out more about that uh, from him. I'm sure he has it on his website the video that we produced called The Chase, which uh, he led police to
0: 20 green lights at 120 miles an hour. <laughs> well, Max, we, we literally are running up against it, right. bro. Let's go into well, let's, the uh, uh, underground. This, I'm sorry?
2: Thanks for calling me, Palmetto.
0: Let's go into the uh, uh, underground rider.
2: Alright, well, we'll go into our uh, Rider of the twenty first century Underground Railroad, which this week is Devontae Sanford. Devontae Sanford spent more than eight years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. He knew he was innocent and his lawyers said that police should have too. I'm still trying to take everything in, Sanford said in an interview with CNN's legal view with Ashley Banfield the day after he was released, one day, one step at a time. In 2007, four people were killed on Runyon Street in Detroit. Witnesses said the Sanford's voice sounded similar to one of the shooter's voices. According to documents filed by Sanford's lawyers, police questioned the then 14-year-old. Sanford confessed after several hours of police interrogation over the course of two days. The Innocence Project at the University of Michigan said, Sanford said, He attempted to recant his confession. He later pleaded guilty in the middle of the trial once he realized his defense attorney was not going to do anything to defend him. Sanford said he was scared, confused, lost during that police interrogation of a 14-year-old child and wasn't able to grasp the whole situation. Everything was just moving so fast. Everything was just so tense. And when everything was said and done, you know, I was sitting in a prison cell with 39 to 90 years, Sanford said Thursday. Two weeks after he was sentenced, a hitman confessed to the murders, according to court documents. The assassin led police to a gun and ballistic tests confirmed it was a weapon used in Renly Street killings. Mm -hmm. He said that Sanford had nothing to do with the crime. That was not handed over to the defense team. The defense team heard about it, you know, had to jump through a lot of hoops to get access to that information. Valerie Newman, one of the lawyers who worked to free Sanford, told CNN, they say justice moves slowly, right, Newman said? Sanford remained incarcerated until Wednesday afternoon. And this is from last year, by the way. Video from CNN affiliate WDID showed Sanford now 23, walking out of the Bellamy Creek Correctional Facility in street clothes, getting into the back seat of a car and riding away. He is looking forward to his future, telling CNN he has no other choice but to make something of himself. And we here at New Abolitionist Radio
0: salute you. And welcome to Freedom, Devontae Sanford. Salute you, Devontae Sanford. And this is a case that's that's close to the Black Talk Radio family. When we started uh, in 2008, um, representatives and members of the family had reached out to us to highlight... His case, and and actually, there was a a person who lives in Ireland who made a donation to our nonprofit to focus on his case and other juvenile justice cases. Not that we would not have done it anyway, but she wanted to see our work continue and um, put her money where her mouth was to make sure we were going to be able to stay on air. Now, I have not re- we've had Devonte's mother on. Uh, we've had Roberto Guzman on, a family friend um, and um, who was with them through all of that. Um, I have not reached out to Devontae to have him come on the program because I want him to have time to adjust. I know it's a bunch of people trying to get at him and what have you, so I'm just biding my time, and when things calm down a little bit, I would love to have this young man come on, New Abolitionist Radio. Indeed. So would I all right let me jump into our abolitionists in profile real quick we got about five minutes uh left in the broadcast and then coming up will be the lotus place so our abolitionist in profile is is asada shakur uh her government name was joanne Chesmard and she and jersey? i'm sorry oh i'm just shouting out jersey oh oh okay yeah and um, I should also mention Sundiata Sundiata Acoli uh, who was one of those who liberated her so let me go into this Joanne Chessmar, a.k.a. Asada Shakur, was the honor of deceased hip-hop icon Tupac Shakur and the sister of his stepfather, Matulu Shakur. In 1973, Shakur was involved in a shootout on the New Jersey Turnpike, during which New Jersey state slave catcher, Warner Forster and BLA member Zayed Malik Shakur were killed. Between 1973 and 1977 Shakur was indicted in six other alleged criminal incidents and in charged with murder, attempted murder, armed robbery, bank robbery, and kidnapping. The developing criminal litigation in those unrelated cases resulted in three acquittals and three dismissals. In 1977, however, she was convicted of the first degree murder of Forster and of seven other felonies related to the New Jersey Turnpike shootout resulting in her receiving a life sentence. On November the 2nd 1979 the escape excuse me the escape uh, began So this is the anniversary of this. On November the 2nd, 1979, the escape began when three BLA members, that's Black Liberation Army, including current political prisoner Sundiata Acoli, posing as prison visitors, drew 45 pistols and took two correction officers hostage at Clinton correctional facility for women they seized a prison van and used it to flee the correctional facility with Shakur once outside the federal prison the group switched vehicles and made their getaway the two hostages were released unharmed after escaping prison it is believed that Shakur lived as a fugitive in the United States of America and eventually fled to Cuba where she was granted political asylum While in Cuba, she published an autobiography. In the book, she writes about the moment she came to the realization that slavery was not abolished in the United States. From the book, Asada in an autobiography. Don't you know that slavery was outlawed? No, the guard said, you're wrong. Slavery was outlawed with the exception of prisons slavery is legal in prisons i looked it up and sure enough he was right the 13th amendment to the constitution says neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime where other parties shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the united states or any place subject to their jurisdiction well that's explained a lot of things that explains why jails and prisons all over the country are filled to the brim with black and third world people. Why so many black people can't find a job on the streets and are forced to survive the best way they know how. Once you're in prison, there are plenty of jobs. And if you don't want to work, they beat you up and throw you in a hole. If, if every state had to pay workers to do the jobs prisoners are forced to do, the salaries would amount to billions prisons are a profitable business. They are a way of legally perpetuating slavery. In every state, more and more prisons are being built and even more are on the drawing board. Who are they for? They certainly aren't planning to put white people in them. Prisons are part of this government's genocidal war against black and third world people. And new abolitionist radio salutes Sister Asada Shakur and her attempt and her liberator, current political prisoner, Sundiata Acoli. Salute Max, you there? Okay, Max uh, must have got cut off Alright
2: Yes, sir, I'm here. He's still big salute for me. me. I was standing with my fist up. <laughs>
3: so
2: represent. Right. No on. doubt, man. Well, we are at the end of our program. We appreciate you guys listening uh, and sharing the words so other people can understand what it is we're really dealing with here. Would you guys like to start closing us out for the
0: evening? I just want hey, to say to... I'm sorry, uh, Johanna. I just want to say to the... Uh, abolitionists on the inside of the prisons who are entering close to the eight weeks of rebelling against modern day slavery and human trafficking just know that we here on New Abolitionist Radio have not forgotten you and we stand in solidarity with you Indeed Peace
3: to the abolitionists death to anyone who is willing to call themselves an oppressor and you know we see you you just going to keep doing it Well, your day is coming
2: is that it? Yes sir Alright, well, I'm going to close mine out real simple uh, A quote from Thomas Jefferson Our country is now taking so steady a course As to show by what road it will pass to destruction To wit, by consolidation of power first And then corruption Its necessary consequences that's Thomas Jefferson. Keep in mind, abolition is a reason for a revolution. So we can finally know some peace. Peace. Rise
1: up, rise 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 up, Just lift your eyes up. if his protection is gone and your enemies are near, if you've seen the sea spill over and the mountains shake, break, and fall, if the moon ever turns blood red and you can't see the sun at all, rise up, no matter if the prize is high in the skies or deep deep in perdition. If our leaders are globally despised and always seem to rise to attrition or blatant nepotism. If women and children have to live in impossible conditions. If you have to die due to someone else's damn decisions. Rise up when innocent up. citizens perish for all our sins sake. If the future seems bleak and your soul's at stake. Rise up when it appears that any hope left may already be lost. If the price is your Son or your daughter's life and you refuse to pay the cost. If you ever had to ask God why in the thunder roll, if you just once had to wonder, have we sold our souls? Rise up for the life of an unborn child. When the homeless are reviled and the masses are beguiled. Rise up when our doctrines dictate that we all deal in debt. When we stop giving more and we start caring less, if the best we can do has already been done. If the battle isn't won and the fighting just be gone if, if you, don't you don't see, don't see none and know we really, need, we really one. need one. Rise up, rise up.